before we get started, I would like for everybody to think of someone right now that you can invite to church next Sunday. Can you, can you visually see that person and maybe call them by name in your mind and think about that? And uh, I am going to invite a guy by the name of Steve Hegel. Hegel. And he lives in Lipsick. So I'm going to invite him this coming Sunday. So if you've thought of someone, please keep that in mind because uh, that's going to be important because their, uh, their salvation and their growth and edification is really needed, especially in the times in which we live in. Okay? So tonight, uh, Wednesday night Bible study, let's get started. Open your Bibles, if you will, with me to Psalms 103. Psalms 103, and then that's where we're going to begin. We're not going to get a chance to get through all 22 verses, but we're going to get really close. We're going to try our best to get really close. So, let's pray. Father God, we just love you and we praise you for this night. I pray for engagement and just an attitude of learning. And Father, we just pray that you will open our eyes, our hearts, our minds in such a way that you can fill them with your truth. Your word is truth. And we ask for all the, the other groups and B groups that are going on all over the church and many people that are here tonight. Just pray that you will, through your Holy Spirit, speak mightily tonight. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Let's all say, Amen. Amen. Okay. There are three words in the English language that is used quite often. And these three, and then there's other three words that's not used very often at all. We're going to talk about those too. But the first three we're going to talk about tonight is the term, I love you. And so the question is, how do you respond when someone says, I love you? You love me the same, okay? I love you. Thank you. <laughs> That's a good response also. So when we think about those things, it depends on, there's five variables that come into play when you hear the term, I love you, when someone says that to you. And we have to look at context. We look at place, person, conditional, and whether or not it is deserved. And so there are, there are many things that kind of go into this whole idea of okay, <laughs> of, of I love you. Okay, so we'll be looking at this because contextually, there's many times when it's said, it's said by people very flippantly, I love you, and it's I love you, and we can use voice inflection and everything else like that to get that across. But tonight as we look into the psalmist, we're going to look at how David expressed his love to God. Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I, um, so, how many of you know the song, Bless the Lord, O my soul? Sing it for me. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So, bless the Lord, O my soul, this song. 
and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We're going to be looking at his benefits and his holy name. Who, for, who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Okay, so we have to think about this in, in context. When was it written? Was it written when David was young, middle-aged? Well, he was older. Give me your ideas. When he was young, when he was old. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. We should attribute it to his latter years when he had a higher sense of the preciousness of pardon. So what did David need to be pardoned from? Sin, but what was that specific? There was a group of sins that he committed. So he slept with Bathsheba, so adultery, infidelity, that's one. Number two, he tried to hide it. Number three, he plotted against someone and set forth some things into motion to get Uriah to come and sleep with his wife so that possibly his sin would be hidden. He lied to other people to get that set up. Then he told falsehoods and set this guy up to be killed. He was killed, and then he took the guy's widow. So now we're up to eight. So we think he, he had relations with Bathsheba, and he killed someone. No, it's bigger than that. Is much bigger than that. So when we begin to look at this, so his clear sense of the frailty of life indicates his, his weaker years also, as also does the very fullness of his praiseful gratitude. Charles Spurgeon wrote that for us. That's a very good statement. It's perhaps the most perfect song of pure praise to be found in all the Bible. Through the centuries it has been sung by glad hearts and today is as fresh and full of beauty as ever. So, we're going to look in summary, we're going to be looking at the fact that God forgives our iniquities. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies us with good things. Our youth is renewed. So, we're going to be looking at these things as we look at this psalm, this psalm right here. So, bless the Lord, O my soul. So let's, let's, let's look at this. Bless is in this first two verses. How many times? One, two, bless the Lord, O my soul. Okay. Now, this is part of that threefold expression or repetition. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, he says, holy, holy, holy. And then in Revelation chapter 4, verses 8, we see the holy, holy, holy again. So God's name is holy. God's, um, who he is and the fullness of who he is is shown forth 
as we look at those individuals who did that. So, to bless means to praise God with bended knee. So, I don't know about you, but there, I probably, I pray a lot sometimes when I'm walking, when I'm driving, before I get up in the mornings. So I'm not always on my knees, but there's this attitude of prayer that we should have in our hearts that on bended knee. And and what is what does having what does being on your knees have anything to do with your prayer? Yes, sir. Shows respect. What else does it show? Roger, what else does it humility? I'm on my knees. I I'm I'm down before him and, and I and and some of the early Jewish people wouldn't even say the name Yahweh. They they used Adonai, Jehovah, because they didn't want, they wanted to show such humility and they wouldn't dare use God's name. So worship is a response of a reverent heart to the magnitude of who God is and who all he is. And so David reminded himself that it was it was a proper response for him to do is to get down on his knees to worship God. Now, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I want to go here for just a second. And the Lord God, the covenant God, Lord God is the covenant God, the Adamic covenant God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now, he did something really interesting here. I don't know how he formed him, but I know that he did. And he breathed into his nostrils. And before we get the word pneumonia, this he breathed into him the breath of life. And he became a what? Living substance. Absolutely. And so he became that. And so as we look at what God was able to do to bring man forth, oh, that which breathed, the breathing substance of a or, or, or being, soul, the inner being of man, the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, every bit of me, my thoughts, my contemplations, my heart, my conscience, everything about me, I want to bless the Lord, because there are so many benefits that we're going to be looking at that the psalmist is going to bring out. Now, we think about who the Lord is, last week we went through the series, if you were not here last week and you didn't get a chance to read one of God's names, you read, you read one of God's names, do you remember which one you read? The shepherd, okay, we're, we're going to look at some of those, and so Father is Abba, Lord Master, Adonai, Alpha, and Omega. The Ancient of Days, the Anointed One, the Living God, the God who gave you birth, the God of knowledge, the God Most High, the, the Mighty God, the Everlasting God, the God who sees, the God Almighty, the Creator, God with us, the Self-Existent One, the Lord Creator, the Lord Provider, the Lord who sanctifies. Well, that's a good one. The Lord who sanctified, who was able to take Michael Gentry from what he was and place him 
amongst the beloved in the heavens, separated. And so God has done that for us. He's our banner. He's our healer. The Lord is our shepherd. Lord of hosts, his peace is there, our righteousness, our rock. The Lord saves the word, logos, our dwelling place, and then the anointed one, Messiah. Names of God. And so as we think about who this, who, who David said, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and, and, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. One of those names. And so I might be able to call out to God, the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom, because maybe during a period of time in my life, I needed his peace. I needed God's comfort. And now I can get down on bended knees and praise him, and I can say uh, to him, Jehovah Shalom. And so David helps us then now incorporate all of those things to help us understand what he's saying. Now, what are some of the benefits of what we see here? Now, recompense for what we deserve is one definition of recompense. The next one is to ask God to recompense the wicked for their evil deeds. And then the last is in this case, benefits are not those that they that a person earns. They are a benefit of his grace. Those that a person, not those that a per person earns. How good do I have to be to get God's favor? Can I be good enough to get God's favor? No. As try as I, I can try to be as good as good can be and I might make it a few hours or maybe a half a day without messing up. I know you guys are not like me, but I do that occasionally. So it's really kind of sad. But his benefits, those is not those that a person earns. They are a benefit of his grace. His grace, God's unmerited favor. Now, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases? Let's see if we take a look at this real quick. You see? So, one of the things I want to talk about is this. A powerful motivator to worship what? Think about that. A powerful motivator to worship is deformulating a response in your mind, and then I want to put it being forgiven. When you've insulted someone or hurt someone's feelings, what is that gnawing thing that's in you that's just making you go, <laughs> what is that? What is that? Conviction. Have you ever felt just so guilty you just, you almost couldn't look at someone? I was talking about Roger's there and it's like, oh, I can't even look at him now. And then Roger finds out that I said that about him. And then Roger comes to me and says, Michael, I forgive you. That's okay. I'm sorry. What a relief. What a, oh, 
didn't mean to say that about you. I just got caught up in the moment. You ever done that? There's a lot of people talking about something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That Roger. Everybody knows that about Rock. Oh, hi, Roger. <laughs> you get caught up in the moment. But a, a powerful motivator to worship is being forgiven. I know that the Lord has forgiven me. And he's restored me. I didn't deserve it. In fact, I deserve hell. I think we all could say that. But that's a powerful motivator. Now, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. I want to just hit on this just real quickly. And refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders. Of course, Nehemiah, context, is there in Jerusalem. They're wanting to rebuild the wall and they're going to rebuild the, the temple. And so they have to get the people together and, and get them all on the same mind. And so he's given these examples of the way the people of Israel were and refused to obey. They were disobedient people. Neither were mindful of thy wonders, how soon they forgot. Now, I think about, I've got this favorite jacket. It's my high school letter jacket. How many of you got a letter jacket when you were in school? I mean, I was proud of that thing. It had the Dunbar, the big V on it for Dunbar, and it had feet with wings on it. And a, and a treble clef for being in the choir. And I had, you know, I had this. I still have it. Now, why'd you have to go there? But you're thinking where I'm going. I tried to put it on, and it was like, <coughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't get it But here's the thing. Can you imagine going 40 years and your shoes don't wear out? Your clothes don't wear out. You don't get those little holes anymore. God sustained you. You never went a day to where you couldn't eat. You know, you, to see that pillar of fire by night, to see all of those things and be involved with all of that, yet... Neither were mindful of thy wonders. I like that. I, I don't love that jacket, but, you know, I do I kind of love that jacket in a sort of way. I like that jacket so much, I wouldn't give it to Lucas to wear for anything in the world. So he might forget it someplace. But God revealed himself over and over and over to the children of Israel as well as us. And sometimes we choose harden our necks and and we are rebellious sometimes and they went so far as to appoint them someone let's go back to bondage let's go back to where it was and we the we had the now see here's the irony of it the children of Israel cried unto the Lord and they cried unto the Lord and they cried unto the Lord and the Lord sent them a deliverer through Moses and it was, it was like all of a sudden, oh, they get out of there and it's like, oh, we missed the 
the garlic and the onions. We miss this. We miss this. Maybe we should go back. Going back to where I was is almost unthinkable. But here they were doing that. But notice what he says about God. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsooketh him not. Peter said, Lord, how often can my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? No, it's seven times. Seventy times. I mean, just innumerable. Innumerable. And so, we have a limited capacity in some instances of forgiveness. We're going to look at, look at that just a little bit more here in just a little bit. But God was able to look past all of that to redeem and restore the person. Let's keep going. Okay. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. I want to take you back a long time ago. Some of you longer ago than others. I have to get you back. How many of you remember this? S&H Green Stamps. Do you guys remember? There's a whole section you can just write off and write you guys off. Pardon me? No. They're not Chuck E. Cheese. Nope, none of those either. No, they're not lottery. <laughs> no, but that's what you used to get at Prairie Lodge. Where'd you get those? At the gas station? You just lay out, I mean, I can remember, you know, having stacks of those bills and redeeming them for a whole chunk of dough. Incredible. Man, I tell you, yes, sir. Probably so. I just gave my age away, yeah. Long time ago. Okay, so S&H Green Stamps, Gold Bond Stamps. Man, once you get a once you got a stack of those things, they were they were very valuable. So this whole idea of redemption, we were redeemed from the marketplace of sin. And so we no longer have to live under the penalty and the yoke of sin anymore. There is therefore now no to those who are in Christ Jesus. We are no longer under the bondage that can be found under the law. We are now free. And Jesus Christ paid the price in order to 
purchased me from that sin. Now, let's move on. Loving kindness is God's faithfulness to fulfill his covenant promise. Shows his mercy, demonstrates his faithful love, and it is shown and spread abroad through his steadfast love. His loving kindness. We also look at his tender mercies. God's willingness to show favor upon his people. His tender mercies. When I don't deserve it, when I have not been the way I should be, but yet God in his tender mercies continues to hover over me and I can come to him Confess my faults, my sins, and find restoration, find hope, find forgiveness. And when that happens, it's praise time. Every, every once in a while on, Sun, on Sundays when I'm leading the music, I raise my hand. I don't know, sometimes I don't know why I did it, but I'm just singing and then my hand goes up. I like to do both hands, but I got a microphone. <laughs> God in his mercy, he is so good to us. And then lastly, he satisfies. The fullness and sufficiency God provides satisfies the deepest need of all who follow him. There is a part and there is a place in the heart of man and woman that only God can provide and to feel and to stand. Only he can do it. He made it. He put it there. I was made after his own image. And in me is a desire for God. I may not know it and I may rebel against it, and many people today think that, you know, if I'm just a good person, God will fill that void that I have in my heart. And so they try a, a myriad of things to fill that void. And some may even go to drink to fill that void. They may smoke a little bit of grass to fill that void. Or maybe I'll pop a couple of uppers or downers to fill that void. But no matter what I reach for in the world, to satisfy that longing in my heart, it will never satisfy. I'll always be wanting and, and desiring more than what I'll be able to find. Okay, let's move on. Psalms chapter uh, 103, verses 8 through 13 says that the Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. We just kind of went through that. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as far as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy to them that fear or reverence. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. 
Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. We're going to be looking at in this section his mercifulness, his graciousness, the fact that he's slow to anger and he is plenteous in mercy. I want to tell you a story about Mike Phelps. When we lived in Indianapolis, I was I was a NCAA Division One soccer referee in about forty-five, coming up forty five. I'm not the same. I'm still the same, but I'm not the same. I was refereeing some uh, over twenty men's and women's in the mixed league in Indianapolis. And this included former high school players and former college players. And uh, there was one person there that just hated every call I made. If I said it was pushing, he'd get upset. If I said, you know, you're offside, he'd get upset. I would not count a goal, he would get upset. I would give a goal, he would get upset. He hated everything I did. And this guy was interesting because after every match, he would stay and sit on the sidelines and complain and complain and complain. And he would go out of his way to try to find someone else, convince him to make some of the same complaints and same complaints. And so the word chide literally means to strive with, to grapple. A person who has a complaint against or is engaged in controversy with another person. And so <laughs> he would go out of his way and he, he would just, you know, and in fact, it worked. They didn't renew my contract, but <laughs> little did he know, I was only doing those type games just to, I mean, they were paying 15, 20 bucks a game. An NCAA Division I referee, I was making $350, $400 a game. So I was just kind of there, stay, you know, trying to help keep myself in shape. But I'll never forget how he so vehemently, I don't even want to say hate, but he just disliked everything that I did. And he was just, oh, I can't stand that referee. They need to fire him. And he would just go on and on. And I remember running around the court, turning sideways, looking at him, and I'd go back. I'd come back the other way. He's still yelling and screaming. It's his problem. And then almost, almost, Michael Gentry came out. <laughs> and I wanted to go over to the side and reach for him. None of you have ever done that, have you? Thank, okay, praise the Lord, you haven't. You guys are good Christian people. You won't do that kind of stuff. Now, and I wanted to grab him, and I had to fight that temptation. And I remember one night driving away going, that little rascal. Now, <laughs> yeah, I said rascal. I bet he was this tall and that big around. grab him and just throw him away. He was 
experienced that? Or how many of you have been that nit, 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 nit picking person? You almost want to run. Wouldn't that have been bad? My testimony would have. See, that's one thing that Satan wants to destroy and steal your testimony. He, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And if, if he can get you under the right conditions where you blow up at that guy right over there, and you guys swore off in the middle of the church, and Pastor Ben has to come and separate you, that would never happen in a Baptist church, would it? Somebody please say amen. <laughs> Thank you. But sometimes we have to realize that even if I went that far, if I turn to the Lord and say, God, I'm sorry. I, I was wrong. I should not have done that. He's willing and ready to forgive and to restore. What did he say? He said he wouldn't chide. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. Keep his anger literally means to guard or to keep. Now, here's something that I want us to discuss just real briefly. About two and a half minutes is about all we can afford here. To cherish anger and to bear a grudge. Hmm. What is that? To cherish anger. Dave, what does that mean? To cherish anger. And if you don't get it all right, Carmen is going to pick up the pieces you don't get right. I like that passion for it. Anything else, Carmen? That's exactly what you, that's a good Sunday school answer. That's exactly what I was going to say. You read her mind. To, what do you say, a passion? A passion for anger. How does that person go about their normal day? What do they look like? A passion for anger. Yes, I'm listening. They, oh, Time out, time out. Time out. They can't be happy. What? You, you've never met anybody like that, have you? <laughs> She's not answering. <laughs> Roger, a passion for anger? Christians don't like that much, do they? They're not supposed to. God doesn't hold his anger. I can remember some sermons growing up, various churches, 
I was raised in a very fundamental Baptist church, and I've heard people say this, God is mad at you. Why? I mean, why? Well, I know what I did. So, so God is mad at me. Does that make you want to sing a song and worship? God is mad at you. Well, how do I get God to not be mad at me? Because I'm going to mess up again. See how dangerous that is to tell someone God is mad at you? Don't paint in someone's mind that God is cherishing his unfellowship with you because of something you did. Because he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. I mean, he wants to forgive us our sins. I got ahead of myself. Okay. Um, 103, then verse 10. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. My son, Michael. Let's see. Michael is 40. 45? Oh, my goodness, he's 43 years old. When he was growing up, I can remember being hard on him because he didn't get the gentry athletic gene. He had a chest surgery. He couldn't catch a baseball to save his life. He couldn't catch a football. It's like all gentry catch baseballs and footballs. That's just who we are. We're good at sports. Michael wasn't. And I, and to my shame, I can remember throwing the ball at him, hitting him in the head, hitting him in the chest. You got to catch the ball. I wanted him to be something that he wasn't. sees in us not that terrible, can't get it, dummy, but great potential. And that his love and his guidance and that his Holy Spirit can make us become the image of his son. And he's striving to do that. But I can remember, Michael, catch the ball. Put the glove like this. Michael, catch the ball. Of course, he wasn't. And it frustrated me to my shame. I look back on it now, and, and at least we can talk about it and laugh about it now. Dude, you had knots all over your head. <laughs> he doesn't reward us according to our iniquities. If God dealt with me, He doesn't do that. For the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear or reverence him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear or reverence him. Sin. 
to miss the mark, to err, to be mistaken, to miss or wander from the path of uprightness and honor and to do or go wrong, to wander from the law of God, to violate God's law, to sin, that which is done wrong, sin, an offense, a violation of divine law in thought or in act. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise God. Verse 17 through 19, wrapping things up. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. My, grand, my, my granddaddy Oscar, married to my big mama, I know why he didn't say much. Big mama <laughs> talked all the time. <laughs> he was just kind of one of those, not, he's okay, uh, don't do that. And, you know, granddaddy, he didn't say hardly anything. Granddaddy, how are you? Mm, I'm fine. That's all you got. And if you got that much, oh, boy, that was really kind of good. My dad, when he was about eight or nine years old, <laughs> I kid you not, his nickname was Jesus Christ. Love his nickname. They, and my uncles would say, don't do anything around Oscar, little Jesus Christ, because he's going to go back and tell it on us. Or he's going to spoil everything. He don't want us to do anything. My dad was always a voice of reason. So my grandfather was that way. My dad was that way. I pray someday that I can live up to what they were able to do. But God's blessings were outstanding. But I thank God for my generation. And I want my boys to do the same thing that my dad was able to do for me and my grandfather was able to do for my dad. And so, who as such keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments, to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in heaven for his kingdom over all. So, faithful recipients of God's loving kindness, those who keep his covenant and remember his commandments, God's throne in heaven has already been established. The foundations are set, and it's sure. My address in glory is Street of Pearls in the corner of Streets of Gold. I'm going to be in glory one day, and that's where I'm going to live when Jesus comes and, and God brings in a new heaven and a new earth. I already got my address, and it's secure. Nothing remains outside of his divine lordship. Through his faithful love, God draws us to his grace 
in Jesus Christ. And so as we respond in faith, he establishes his reign in our hearts and in our lives as we respond to his faith. Father God, we come to you now and we thank you for this night and for what you've given us. 